When it comes to living life with a red-hot faith, you and I are going to need a genuine spiritual passion. Dr. Mark Job, president of the Moody Bible Institute. Passion is the difference between enthusiastic action and simply going through the motions. Passion is the fire in your belly that motivates you to extraordinary living. Hi, welcome back to Moody Presents with Mark Job. Dr. Job is the founding pastor of New Life Community Church and currently serves as president of the Moody Bible Institute. I'm John Geiger asking, are you just living life or are you living life with a high spiritual temperature? We're about to discover that the early church was committed to four practices that you and I need to recover in order to keep our own spiritual passion hot. Here's Pastor Mark on Moody Presents. Red Hot Faith. George Gallup, who does surveys, a few years back did a survey of 13,000 people in various nations around the world. And he asked them several questions, but one of the most important, poignant questions that he asked, what would need to happen for you to return to church? He surveyed people that had left the church. Now, I could anticipate a lot of answers, like, hey, if the pastor would just shorten the message and cut the service in half, man, it was so long. Or if they would stop taking up offerings and not ask for money, man, that would be great. If they'd give us more comfortable chairs, we could sit through it. Nothing like that. The most common answer that people gave of people that had left the church as to what would need to happen for them to return to church was this. The number one answer was passion in the lives of the members and leaders. What people really wanted to see was fire, a zeal in people that claimed to be followers of Jesus. Think about that. Well, people that left church or no longer were attending church, what they were really saying is what I want to see is people that are zealous about their faith, that their faith is so important to them that they are on fire and live what they talk about. Now, we're not talking about perfect because there's no one is perfect, but there's a difference between someone that is passionate and zealous and someone that is just going through the motions. Do you realize that today in Chicago, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of churches in the perimeters of this city, and most of those churches have under 80 people in them, and most of those buildings are fairly empty. In fact, we as a church have had to restart eight churches that many of them were about to die. And really, what people are looking for is a group of people, a community of faith that is zealous about their God. Have you ever been on a hot summer night and the porch light is on and it's dark? What, is it, what, what starts to be attracted to that light? Bugs. 
flies and gnats and bugs. Why? They're attracted to the light and to the heat. I mean, they just come and they're, they just buzz around and are attracted to it. In the very same way, I believe that when a people of God are zealous and on fire, it attracts people to their midst. People are curious. People want to see people that really are living out their faith. Not perfect people, but people that are zealous about their faith. And today I want to talk to you really about that. I want to talk to you about how to maintain red-hot faith and become contagious people. And in order to do so, I would like to you to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to be looking at verses 42 through 47 of Acts chapter 2 as I talk to you about how to become contagious people with red-hot faith. I'm reading out of the NIV version. And I would like for you just to stand with me as we read verses 42 through 47. Stand for the reading of the word, please. The church had just started. A group of people was coming together. They were in Jerusalem. There weren't multiple churches. There was just one church in Jerusalem. And it says of them that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Word of the Lord, you may be seated. If I were to ask you today, right now, what spiritual temperature do you believe that you have? I don't shout it out loud, but what would you answer? Think about it for a moment. What is your spiritual temperature? The key word that comes up is passion. Passion is the difference between enthusiastic action and simply going through the motions. Uh, passion is the fire in your belly that motivates you to extraordinary living. Uh, the Bible often talks about passion as zeal, fire. Uh, their words that are related to it are translated fire, enthusiasm, earnestness. So I want to talk to you about how to keep your spiritual temperature high. And I want you to understand this. You are responsible for your spiritual temperature. Your pastor's not responsible for it. Your small group leader's not responsible for it. The guy on Christian radio's not responsible for it. Let's say it together. I want you in just a moment to say, I am responsible for my spiritual temperature. Ready? One, two, three. I am responsible for my spiritual temperature. Whether you are on fire for God right now, zealous for God or not, is really, you can point to a lot of factors and blame a lot of things, but ultimately, you are responsible for what kind of zeal or fire that you have for God today. So let me tell you the five practices, the five marks of spiritually contagious people that I see found in this passage. Number one, spiritually contagious people, they practice habits that fan the flame 
of passionate spirituality. They have habits in their life that stoke the flame of their passionate spirituality. Notice what it says in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves. That word devoted implies high commitment and regular practice. Devoted means that they showed steady attention to something. They weren't casual about it. It wasn't just hit and miss. I mean, they were committed to this. So the early church was committed to four practices. Four practices that I believe if you and I commit to on a regular basis will have a dramatic difference on our spiritual temperature. Number one, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. Now you have to understand that in those days, when this was written, people did not have Bibles like we have. The Gutenberg Press had not been discovered and the printing press was not available. So all they had was copies of the Old Testament and the copies of the Old Testament scrolls had to be copied by hand by a group of people called the scribes. So normal people like you and I did not have scrolls of the Old Testament at home. The only places where those scrolls existed were in the synagogues or the temples and they were hard to get a hold of. So when it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, most of the people that gathered together, it was the oral teaching of the apostles. The, there were 12 apostles that walked with Jesus. They were the inner circle that Jesus was with. When Jesus left, he commissioned them to teach them. So they would gather around the early believers and the apostles would teach them the word of God and these people were devoted to it. They memorized it. They rehearsed it. They spoke about it. They talked about it. Let me tell you, today, if you live in America, there's really no excuse for us not to have a Bible. Seriously. I mean, we have the large letter edition. We have the leadership edition. We have the miniature Bible. We have the Holy Spirit Bible. We have King James Bible. We have NIV Bible. We have online Bible. We have the paraphrase Bible. We have the traditional Bible. You want a nice cover, you have the skateboarder's cover. You have the, uh, just the traditional, old-fashioned, big cover Bible. I mean, you name it, and we have access to it. There's no excuse in this country at this time that we should not have Bibles. And I'm going to tell you something. We need to be challenged, not just to have a Bible, but to get into our Bible. Because listen, if you're going to keep your spiritual temperature high, you need to get into the Bible. Why? The Bible is the inerrant, infallible, Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. It's not a book with nice stories that contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It was written by quite a few authors over a large period of time, 
hundreds of years, but inspired by God through the Holy Spirit, accurate, preserved by God for our day and age so that every portion of this Bible is the Word of God, and there's something powerful that happens when you read it and digest it and memorize it and meditate on it. It has the power to transform your soul. It does something to you. It's the living Word of God. So here's what happens. And by the way, I want to make sure you have a Bible. If you have a smartphone, um, there's all kinds of versions of the Bible. One of the best ones, I think, is called the U version of the Bible. It's free. It has various translations. It has a daily devotional. You can mark where you're at. It has an audio version to it. I listen to the Bible oftentimes while I'm driving in my car. I'll put on the U version when I was left last, and while I'm fighting Chicago traffic, I'm listening to the Word. It calms me down. We're going to pause just a moment here in Pastor Mark's message to remind you that today is a great day to check out all that the Moody Bible Institute has to offer you by way of undergraduate, graduate, and continuing education, both here in Chicago and online. What a great place for you, your kids, or grandkids to really grow in the faith. So get on our website at moodypresents.org. From there, you can click on Education right there at the top of the page. Again, our website is moodypresents.org. Now back to Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. Now, some of you say, well, pastor, I listen to the word. Every Sunday I come and hear your preaching of the word, and that is great, and that's all I need. And I say, no, 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 hold on a second. That's like saying you eat one big meal once a week. And I want to challenge you, if you think that's enough, try eating the way you read the Bible. Next time, say, I'm going to only eat as many times as I read the Bible. I want to see how strong you are at the end of the week. Some of you are going to drag yourself in here and say, what's wrong? I've been fasting all week. You know, because you can't eat one big meal and expect that it lasts the whole week. I get into the Bible. My goal is to get in the Bible every day because I need the sustenance of the Word of God every day in my life. If you're going to keep your spirit red hot, it's the Word of God that speaks to you. You say, well, I've already read the Bible. Why do I need to read it again? Oh, because the Bible's not a book you read once. It's a spiritual infusion that you get every day. I've read the Bible multiple times. And certain verses I've read hundreds of times, if not thousands of times, but at that unique moment of time, the Holy Spirit will take a verse and a passage and he'll speak to my heart for that day, at that moment, for that season, because that's the way God works. And it says the early church, one of the habits that they had is that they were devoted, committed to the apostles' teaching. Number two, They were also not only committed to the apostles' teaching, but to fellowship. The word in the Greek there is koinonia. Uh, That word koinonia means association, communion, fellowship, participation. It means sharing something together. They did not just do fellowship. They were committed or devoted to fellowship. Let me tell you the difference. Someone says, well... You know, I was, you know, out in the foyer fellowshipping. That pretty much means you were drinking coffee and chatting about the bears. And that, that's part of fellowship. 
hanging out with people. But to be devoted to fellowship means this. It means they were devoted to the habit of coming together with other people that they allowed into their lives. So they're devoted to regularly getting into the word, meditating, memorizing, studying the word, the apostles teaching, but they were also devoted to fellowship. I can guarantee you this, that Christianity was not meant to be lived in isolation, just you and God, your personal relationship with God. If you have a view of Christianity, which means it's just me and God, then you have an unhealthy view of Christianity because really God has called you to live out your Christianity in the context of a community. If you're going to keep your spirit red hot, you need Christians in your life that you hang with, that you pray with, that you do birthday parties with, that you can pour out your soul, that they can encourage you, challenge you, rebuke you when you're going off course, encourage you when you need to stay on course. You need people in your life that know your name, that know your business, that are doing life together with you. You need those kind of people. That's what the Bible talks about, fellowship. There's no substitute for relationships. Number three, not only were they committed to the word, they were devoted to fellowship, but the third thing it says they were devoted to is breaking of bread. Some of you are saying, finally, something I like to do, I like to eat. They were devoted to eating. No, no, no. Breaking of bread is another way of saying communion. They referred to what we celebrate communion, the cup and the bread. In other words, worship. Worship together centered around the cross. They were devoted to the word. They were devoted to uh, relationships with other believers. They were devoted to worship around the cross of Jesus. And then number four, they were devoted to prayer. Not just prayer, but we see also from this context and other passages of the New Testament that they were devoted to prayer and fasting. Now look up, look up at me, this is huge. I can guarantee you that if you are not in the practice of getting into the word, of regular fellowship, of worshiping God and spending in, in and out of corporate worship and praying that if you start making these habits a serious part of your weekly routine, that your spiritual temperature will automatically start to raise as you start to practice these habits. And I challenge you, if you feel a little lukewarm right now, if, you're, if your heart's not on fire like it needs to be, I challenge you to take a couple of weeks and put into practice these four habits, and I can guarantee that your heart will start to steadily increase in its fervency and its zeal for God because these are the habits that keep our heart on fire. It says the early church was devoted to these things. Number two, not only do contagious people practice the habits that fan the flame of passionate spirituality, but they embrace an atmosphere of faith and expectation. Verse 43 says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. You see, the second thing that contagious people have 
that have a zeal for God is not only do they stoke their own heart and keep it on fire, but they embrace an atmosphere of faith and expectation. It says all the believers in the early believers were in awe at the signs and wonders that God was doing. In other words, they came with an expectation that God is going to move. Do you realize that the atmosphere that we create is largely based on the faith that we bring to the place? Do you realize that there's atmospheres in which God can really work and atmospheres in which God chooses not to work because it's not an atmosphere that's conducive to his power? In Mark, in the book of Mark, chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, it talks about Jesus going to the town where he grew up in. And it says the town where he grew up, and he could do no miracles there because of their unbelief. Think about that for a second. That when Jesus went to his hometown, he could do no miracles in his hometown except to heal a few people because there was a lack of faith in his own hometown. I've thought of that, about that many times, and I've come to the conclusion that the reason they had a lack of faith in Jesus' hometown, they believed in the Jesus that they had grown up with, but not in the Jesus who was the Messiah. You see, Jesus did not really step into his full ministry until he was 30 years old. He withheld himself from manifesting himself as the Son of God until he was 30. His first miracle happened when he was around 30. Although he could do miracles before, he was always the son of God. He did not fully embrace his mission until he was 30. He lived really a low-key life. So think about it. If you had been raised with Jesus, maybe you call him Jesse. You know Jesse? Yeah, the kid down the street. You know Mary and Joe, Joe's kid. Who? Yeah, you know the carpenter, Joe. You know, he built our table. We bought a table from him. You know, he sanded that down, did a good job. Jesse, Jesse, their, their son. So you grow up, you know him, you know his family. There's no real expectation that he's going to do anything because you don't really know who he is. He's living low key. And at 30 years old, he leaves his hometown and he manifests himself as the son of God. And then suddenly he's baptized 40 days in the wilderness. And then you hear rumors that he's raising the dead and touching the lame and opening the eyes of the blind. And suddenly this Jesse who you grew up with becomes something that you're not used to. And so when Jesus comes back to his own hometown, no one believes that he is the power to do what they've heard that he's done. No one believes that he's the son of God. He's just Joe's kid. Some of you have grown up with Jesus in religious environments where you went to church and the Jesus that you looked at was a Jesus on the crucifix of the church that you went to. And you remember that he had nails in his hand and you remember the statue where there was blood dripping down his face and he was the crucified Jesus, the, the suffering Savior. 
And so there was an empathy that you felt with him, especially when you were going through a hard time. You would go and you'd look up at the face of that suffering Jesus and you would say, Jesus, I'm going through a hard time like you went through a hard time. You can empathize with my suffering because I'm suffering right now. We both have a tough life and I appreciate your compassion and maybe if you could do something for me. But let, let me tell you, you have connected to a crucified Jesus, but you've forgotten that that crucified Jesus is not crucified anymore. He's a resurrected Jesus. He rose from the grave. He ascended on high. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He has all power and dominion and might. He is moving in resurrection power. That's the Jesus that's here today. He's not the martyr sacrifice Jesus. He's the resurrected. You want to get a vision of who that Jesus is and read Revelation. He has fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. And there's no principality or power that can stand against the power of this resurrected Jesus. Now, I believe that we, we can embrace an atmosphere of faith. And when people are contagious about their faith, they believe the word of God. They believe what God says about what he can do. And contagious people full of the zeal of God, they come expectant that this Jesus, this mighty Jesus will show up. Some of you were raised in churches and you just went and kind of did your religious duty, but you never expected that anybody would change. You never expected that a life would turn around, that people would repent, that marriages would be healed, that physical healing would happen. Someone would go from the brink of an outcast of society to a strong spiritual leader. You never expected that. And you've brought your image of the old Jesus into your new walk with God. And when we come in faith believing, we, we see through our eyes of faith what God is going to do. We create that atmosphere with the faith that we have or the unbelief that we have. Don't you love the way Pastor Mark Job stirs us up toward godliness and a red-hot faith? We encourage you to listen to today's message again at moodypresents.org. And next week, our Red Hot Faith series continues. We'll enjoy more great teaching with Mark Job on Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.